Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. What's going on, Julie? You know, enjoying coffee and water this morning. That's, uh, you just not hydrated today or something? <laughs> Normally you just do the coffee. I know, I'm trying to be better. Good girl. Well, we have a special guest today. I'm going to mess up everything on what I want to talk to this guy about, but I'm going to do my best here. We've got Alan F30 Blake or Blake, Blake and Burrow. He's a madman. This guy never sleeps and enjoys entrepreneurship so much that he'd rather open a business than sit at the beach. He is the co-founder of Tax Titans, a company that specializes in helping small businesses and individuals with their tax filings with the entire company staffed by veterans or spouses of veterans. He is also the pretty face behind the Knights of Knights of Siena Fencing Academy. This is not fencing like a fence your dog. It's more like fencing like a foil, epee, or saber. This is where you can legally stab the people you don't like and not go to jail, which is cool. Well, thank you, Blake, for uh, your service in the military, and thanks for being on our show. Oh, well, appreciate your support and uh, look forward to telling you guys about Tax Titans and all the exciting things that we plan on doing with the tax and the accounting industry over the next couple of years. Well, we don't really care about that. We really care about you and your entrepreneurial journey. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, so we kind of, the question on the table is, are you originally from uh, Troy, New York? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up in uh, South Troy. So if you know Troy at all. Um, there's Troy and South Troy, and the big joke is it's South Troy versus the world, and we're going to get cream. So nice. Well, what I was trying to figure out is it. It looks like uh, you know you moved to South Carolina at some point, but you sound like you have a North Carolina accent. So what's that all about? Did you just try to adapt wherever you were? No. Um, when I first moved down from New York, I first started in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and then as, as opening fencing schools, um, in the Southeast, um, wound up, uh, discovering that I enjoyed South Carolina more than North Carolina. Cause as a friend of mine said, any state that allows you to buy alcohol, uh, gasoline and fireworks all in the same building is a state that's living on the edge. So that's South Carolina. That's my kind of people. I, I thought when I stalked you, you're, you end up moving at one point to Troy, North Carolina. No, okay. uh, I've been in, nope, just Charlotte, and All I've right. uh, lived in the surrounding area. I thought that would be very ironic, and it's cool. So so South Carolina is home, and, uh, you know, at some point, you know, you were when you grew up, what made you decide that you wanted to go to college to be an accountant? I mean, that's a really good calling to want to do that. Yeah, so um, it, being an accountant uh, came from the desire at one point um, I was looking at uh, going into the FBI, uh-huh. um, and in going into the FBI, one of the things that they tell you is if you have an accounting degree, um, you've got a better chance of getting um, into the bureau. 
So it was like, okay, then I'll go get an accounting degree um, that'll allow me to then go work um, in forensic accounting and possibly work for the FBI. How about that? So did you, you completed your degree and got your, got the, became an accountant? Did you want to be a CPA then or just to get an accounting degree? Uh, just getting an accounting degree. Really had no desire to ever be an accountant. I had no desire to do taxes, no desire to work in public or even in manufacturing. Um, so the fact that, you know, now I'm the you know founder and CEO of Tax Titans is uh, God's way of telling me that he has a a real sense of humor. So I got to tell you, it cut me real deep that you didn't want to be an accountant. You know, it, it, it hurts me. Um, but look at you, you get sucked right back into it. It's the craziest thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. It, it is. It is really um, funny. A bunch of my friends that I went to Siena with are alumni um, constantly give me ribbing and joking that, you know, I, I'm, you know, working to do a lot of things to improve the industry. Um, and if they were to take any one of their classmates that they thought wasn't going to be doing this, I would be the guy. So. Well, well, you certainly don't even look like an, you know, you look like an accountant because if you saw my picture, I used to have a mullet and everything. So we, we're trying we're trendsetters here, baby. We're trendsetters. I yep. really want to know. Well, is, I, went, <laughs> I really want to know is what did, what was the driving force behind wanting to be in the FBI? So um, when I was in high school, um, I originally wanted to be an attorney, um, went to a law presentation in my senior year of high school, and the lady that was giving the presentation for the law portion of the career day um, took off her suit coat, and she had a 357 Magnum strapped to her side, and everybody was like, what Ooh. kind of lawyer has a gun strapped to her side? And she's like, I, I'm in law. I'm not a, a practicing attorney. I work for the FBI. And then she explained everything that the FBI does, everything they do with investigative crimes, you know, what her life has been like as an agent. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Wow. So you didn't want to do, did you, you didn't want to do the attorney route to get in. You wanted to do the, the accountant route, correct? That's how you, how'd you decide well, that? I was, I was planning on doing the attorney thing, but in order to go to law school, you have to have a four-year degree anyways. So what better way than to have a four-year accounting degree and then have a law degree? And that's then also how I wind up getting into the military because the people at the bureau is like, oh, if you've got military experience, that's another checkbox to you know put you in the front of the line as far as getting uh, into the bureau. So, so the motivation was to be in the FBI work for the no-name agencies and and fight crime and do those kind of things, investigative and things. And to get there, the path had to be an accountant and you do the military. Did you, How long did you stay in the military for? Uh, so between active and reserve, about seven and a half years. Gotcha. Did at any time when you're in the military go, man, this is great. They pay me to break stuff and blow things up and I want to stay there? Or did oh. you say, no, I want to stay on the path for, for the FBI? Um, so while you're in the military, it's a lot of fun to think that they pay you to jump out of airplanes and do all kinds of stuff that normally everybody tells you you're not allowed to do. Um, but you know, one of the unfortunate things in the military, um, is there's a lot of paperwork in the officer ranks. Um, and as you get on and on and on, the amount of paperwork that you do, um, is a lot based on the government. And although you love doing stuff with the troops, um, I'm not the type of guy that likes a whole lot of bureaucracy and paperwork. Is that when you decided that, hey, I don't even think the FBI is for me? Or, uh, again, we're always curious, what is that event that 
changed your course of destiny that you wanted to go? And, and was it that? So what wound up happening was the uh, Clinton presidency, there was a hiring freeze on the FBI because they were combining and coming up with the small government model. And they wanted to take the Bureau, the tobacco and firearms, and the um, DEA and combine them. So in the absence of having an employed route to join the Bureau, um, I was like, hey, what other things do I like doing? Um, and I was an avid fencer in college, really enjoyed the sport. Um, so I was like, okay, uh, my first entrepreneurial journey was uh, opening up fencing schools in South Florida uh, in the 90s. And how did, again, I'm just curious, most people will play soccer or baseball or football. How in the heck did you get fencing? Did your school, was it big enough to even have that program, or how did you get turned on to that? So there was a local college next to the high school that I was at that came and did a fencing demonstration because they were trying to get kids involved into the sport. Um, And from the aspect of, you know, what, you know, guy doesn't like to beat other people with metal sticks. um, I thought it was, you know, really cool. It was an individual sport. Um, I wasn't a big team sport type of guy during high school. um, So got into it, um, really enjoyed it. And then, uh, when I was in college, we, you know, would share space in the gym and we used to always joke around that, you know, it would be nice if fencing had dedicated facilities kind of like martial arts throughout the United States. And, uh, so, you know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, I was like, huh, let me, let me try to do that whole fencing school thing that, you know, over our four years of college, we always talked about would be a great business model. So the hiring freeze made you had to pivot and do something different. And you said, this might be the thing. Do, you know, did you have any uh, in your family or centers of influence of people that were entrepreneurs that you could say, oh, I'll just do what they did because they looked out, like it worked out for them? Or did you just, you were like the first one to do this? Nope. My, my father was a, a Vietnam vet um, and was kind of forced to be an entrepreneur because when he came back from Vietnam, um, trying to find a conventional job. Uh, Vietnam vets weren't very well received when they got home, um, oh. unlike today where a lot of people thank the service. And in the absence of him having any type of career that he could do, the only thing that he was able to do was basically set up his own business and uh, began his entrepreneurial journey. Um, he does a story with me um, when he was still with us telling us that after being rejected by his caseworker three times to go find a job that he grabbed all the pencils off of her desk and said, I have a family to feed. And if you're not going to find me a job, I guess I'll go sell these in the street. So that began his entrepreneurial journey. He first started with uh, doing and delivering newspapers uh, bundles to paper boys to then growing it into a moving company um, in the Albany Schenectady Detroit area. Um, then him and his other Vietnam buddies opened up, uh, bars and restaurants. And, you know, that was, that was his whole thing, which was funny. You know, when I decided that I was going to be going to college for an accounting degree, he thought that was great because then I could do the books for all of his uh, businesses. You clean up the books for him. So he didn't have to keep two sets. I love it. You know, it's, it's funny how, uh, you know, I'd imagine if your dad is who I bet he is, I bet you, he took you on a lot of those adventures, right? And, and you kind of oh, got yeah. immersed into all that, which is what good dads do, right? And give you a little taste yep. of everything, which had to be just awesome. 
It was definitely adventure uh, growing up as a kid. Yeah, the you know it's uh, it's funny. Your dad had to uh, learn to thrive in the chaos and raise his family. So in, instead of you know being nervous about it, he just kind of embraced it and just went with it. And you were probably I don't know if you again this is the tricky part. Like we just never know with people. Like you know you saw him hustling and you said, well either I want to be a hustler or I want to go and get a real job and and have and do this thing. And ultimately, you end up, you're now a hustler, right? And when I say hustler, an entrepreneur, right? And you're going to make it start every day negative. So, you know, did you, were you trying to get away from what he was doing or you just want to go get edu- educated and do this path? Um, did you know it was going to go back full circle? No, I didn't. I fully expected to, you know, have a career possibly in the government. I mean, I did know that in the military, it's one of those things where, Sometimes you're taking orders and following a chain of command from somebody that you don't feel is, you know, up to snuff or up to par, um, or you think that there's a better way of doing it, but you're restricted as kind of somebody within the chain of command or somebody who's a subordinate at a corporate job that, you know, although you might think you could do something better or you think of a way of doing it, you know, or have an innovation, a lot of times you're shackled or hamstrung to be able to do that. Um, and knowing that, you know, watching my father being able to pivot or change based on what his customers needed, um, that, you know, basically was my rebellion as I started working in, you know, corporate and in the military world to go, okay, you know, I'm probably been already, you know, shown the right way to do things, which people in corporate America or in bureaucracies would say is the wrong way to do things. Mm -hmm. So. Julie, do you think you'd be good having somebody tell you what to do all day long? No, not at all. <laughs> Entrepreneurs are just so programmed different. They're like, uh, I don't think so. Let me, let me do it my way. Uh, so yeah. w- when you uh, when you started the fencing thing, again, I, a little bit of, uh, you know, background for our, our guests, you know, that thing took off. You you went to, uh, or on TV, did a lot of cool things with it, but ultimately it's about, you know, sponsorships and viewership that would make that thing handle the way it is. So you had to ultimately scale back at some point. Is that how that went? So it went in the aspect that when we opened the first schools um, down in Florida, we got a lot of ribbing from the traditionalists that we were creating a McDonald's method of training folks to which they were actually calling them McFencers um, until our students started actually beating the traditional students that came from you know, a pedigree of, oh, this person studied under this master and this master and this master. Um, I joke around a lot that it's the same type of journey that Bruce Lee had when he started his uh, dojos here in the United States from getting a lot of flack from traditional um, martial artists. Do so that. for us, once, once we got up into, you know, identifying and trying to grow the sport is when we got it on television and then wound up going head to head with some of the traditional type of uh, folks who had a vision of what fencing should be and how it should be conducted as a competition. So do people call you master as well? Cause you got 30 names. Is that one of them? Yep. So awesome. well, one of them. So in fencing, they're called maestros, kind of Maestro. like a maestro of music. So. so do you still competitively do that or you just teach? Um, I teach. Um, I was doing uh, veteran events up until the pandemic. Um, So that's kind of gone on hold. And uh, Tax Titans has literally consumed my entire life. 
So any amount of time to train and be able to do anything competitive for myself is kind of on the back burner. Um, I will be um, in Phoenix, Arizona towards the end of this month with about six of my students as they compete at the national championships. So walk me through how you go from fencing to tax titans. So um, a friend of mine um, owns a tax practice in Greenville, South Carolina. He's had it for 15 years. Um, He knew that I did a time as a recruiter for Robert Half International recruiting accountants. Um, And this past tax season, well, in tax season 2022, he gave me a call and said, hey, um, I've got a problem. You used to be a recruiter. Can you help me out? I was like, sure. What do you need? And he was like, well, you know, I've got about a thousand clients. I have three other accountants who were working at my firm. However, they, one had a heart attack, one went out with COVID. The other one got picked up by a regional accounting firm. So from that aspect, can you come in and help? So went in. So wait, let me get this right. You were also a recruiter at some point. Robert Half. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he knew the business. Yep. So, um, came down, uh, worked about five hours on the phone. Um, basically came to the conclusion. No one was out there to save him in his practice. I oh. joked around with him. I said, look, I haven't done somebody else's taxes in 20 years. You do all the taxes for all of my small businesses. I guess I can, you know, help you out for a month through tax season and then help you recruit people in the off season so that in 2023 you can attack this. No problem. Question. So question. He, I'm sorry. He was like, question. Were you were you working for Robert Half at the time? That was just no, in the past. No, okay, that I, was in the past. Okay. I worked for Robert Half from about two, uh, 1998, 99 till about 2003. Got it. So this is way back, blast in your past, but he remembered. Okay, continue. Okay. So, um, so after a month of helping him out, things were great. I learned Drake software, which is an awesome piece of software to train somebody to do taxes and, you know, keep you on the straight and narrow, their customer service probably helped me with more tax questions than professors did at Siena college. Um, but towards the end of tax season, um, you know, they had more clients that, uh, wanted to get their stuff filed by at the time, April 18th that year, mm-hmm. um, that didn't want an extension. So I said to him, I said, we got about 300 people left that have small businesses there's not enough hours in the day. Um, why don't we take half of these and farm them out to the other accountants in Greenville who've got the capacity, pay them a hundred percent of the fees, keep the customers happy, and then at least have the opportunity to keep the clients happy. Um, he was like, okay. Um, he agreed to do that. And I said, okay, well, what online marketplace, what networking tool can I use to talk to other accountants to get this work done? And he was like, well, nothing like that exists in the accounting world. And I was like, that's impossible. Amazon can have any physical product on my doorstep in 24 hours. (laughs) We've been paying taxes in the United States for 121 years with Uber, Airbnb, you know, Priceline, Hotels.com. How is there not some online marketplace for accountants to work with other accountants or for taxpayers to find a tax professional? And that literally then began the last year, which has been my life. So, so question for you: Do you think it sounded like the that accountant was kind of just paralyzed of what to do? Do you think it was 
the watching your dad have to change all the time and you were involved in that, you were able to make those decisions quickly? Do you think it was because you were in fencing and you have to make immediately drastic changes quickly? How did you come in and what you just said, you're like, boom, 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 here's what we're going to do. And he, you were a leader. How, how did that, where do you think that leadership came from? Or was it the military? Where, where do you think? Definitely, definitely the military. Okay. The military is all about, especially if you're in the combat branches, it's like, here's an objective. You have to achieve it. Um, if you have path A doesn't work, then you have a contingency plan of path B, C, D, and you're either going over, under, or through to get to the objective. Failure is not an option. I mean, granted, we're dealing with taxes here, and the worst thing that happens is the government comes and takes all your toys. Um, but in the military, a lot of the times you're dealing with, you know, the livelihood and or lives of people. So that sense of urgency, that sense of responsibility is kind of ingrained in you as of day one. It's funny, as a, as an accountant, you know, the somebody's tax return or financials or those things, it is literally the most important thing in the world for them. Like there is nothing more important. The, the stress and anxiety that it, the taxes put on somebody on, a, and on an individual, it is, it is almost like life and death. It's not as a preparer. We know that, but it, it appears that way. So anytime you can bring that solution, I mean, that is what really why that relationship exists between the accountant and their client is because they know they're going to get their problem solved, which is the tax return completed. So tell me right. what- And the one thing, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. And that's one of the things that amazed me in talking with other solo practitioners, small firms over the last year is that everybody has the same dedication to serving their clients, which is absolutely amazing in an industry. Um, however, the fact that there is no network like we had in staffing that allows them to work with other professionals that have that same drive, that same amount of dedication to their clients to be able to help each other out in order to achieve those objectives. It's like in the military, we have, you know, the army, the Marines, the air force and the Navy, and we all give each other a hard time as to which one is the best branch. But, you know, when we go into combat, when we go in and do stuff, you know, we as a joint forces, you know, basically work together to achieve the mission. And sometimes you rely on more on your brother today than you did tomorrow. And then the same thing for them. Um, so, to see an industry that didn't have that esprit de corps, so to speak, um, is something that, you know, for the last year, my team, who is, you know, a group of veterans and stuff, has been trying to bring to the industry. Have you, um, have you identified what the real cause of why accountants don't talk to other accountants is yet? Have you figured that out? I'll give you a hint. Um, there, <laughs> I'd love to hear your, your uh, uh, reasoning first. So I have a feeling it's not going to be real. <laughs> well, I think, well, here's, I think, cause I was that guy way back when, and the premise was that if you talk to another accountant, not only are they going to take your clients, cause that's what accountants do. They'll take your clients from you, but they might take your knowledge and, and we can't have anybody take your knowledge. So we just live in the quantum of solace and we would rather struggle ourselves than ask for help or to have some camaraderie with another accountant. The second you get an accountant to talk to another accountant and they feel like they're in a safe space, they'll show, share everything. But they are so reserved because somebody's going to take their clients, judge them, or take their secrets. 
And that's just not the case. Accountants don't operate like that. I'm not going to take somebody else's clients. I really thought you were going to say it's because you can't talk through a 10 key. Well, I mean, that's obvious, <laughs> but, but all accounts, I can spell hello if it's upside down. It's really cool. <laughs> Is that what you've but come up yes, with? That, that's what I've experienced. And one of the nice things of what we've done coming from outside the industry um, and a lot of the programming and stuff that we've done is allowed us to be able to tell accountants, hey, you can work with another accountant and have all the personal information redacted and not known to the other accountant. So the work's getting done, but you keep and maintain that relationship with your client so that the fear of them stealing your client goes away. And that for most of them is like, oh, I never knew a system like that could be invented. And I'm like, yeah, 20, 30 years ago, this not, might not have existed. Mm -hmm. But now with all the banking information, FINRA, all the stuff that exists with the SEC, there is a lot of things in FinTech that allow people to share work, but still maintain the relationship with the clients without them worrying about losing that relationship or losing that client as a customer. And so I'm going to go backwards here because I just want to really get into your journey as you started Tax Titans. I know it's only been a year. So your friend obviously needs some help. You've identified the solution and you make it, let's say, till April 18th. And then what happens? So then I actually went to talk to a friend of mine who's got a uh, custom software company who's the CEO. And he was like, I'll take a look, make sure that nothing like this already exists. So you don't waste your money. Um, and then he came and said, okay, there's Thumbtack and Upworks. That's about it. Um, and then we began the journey as far as making the, you know, most viable product or the MVP and then got introduced to an association called the National Association of Enrolled Agents. Um, I'm ashamed to say that I have sat for the CPA exam. I have a degree in accounting. I didn't even know what an enrolled agent was. Um, and come to find out that there's, you know, this whole group of individuals, they invited us to be able to, you know, come and participate in their national event in Las Vegas last June. Um, you know, got to talk to a lot of enrolled agents. They thought what we were building was great. Um, and then that spiraled into a meeting with Climb and then the meeting with Drake. Um, John Sapp um, was an amazing guy that was like, you're literally solving a problem that has existed um, for 50 years in accounting. Um, and you guys figured out a way to solve that. You know, this kind of stuff just gives me goosebumps. Like you didn't even, you had zero dot zero desire to do this or didn't even know if it existed. And that is the true to form for an entrepreneur that we see things through a different lens, right? Instead of looking at obstacles, we look at opportunities. And my goodness, you took that and went with it. And you're just at the very beginning of it for this. And I, I can't imagine where this thing's going to head out uh, because you're always willing to change and figure this thing out. So that is really cool. Yeah, for us, the big thing is when we went to the Engage conference for the AICPA in Vegas a couple weeks ago, um, we got invited by uh, Drake Software to go out as a partner. 
they thought the things that we were working on and the things that we were looking to do had a great, you know, benefit to the industry and the AICPA, you know, um, you know, that, that whole CPA designation is something that a lot of accountants look to be able to get. So from our standpoint, it was like, Hey, you know, let's go and talk to these people and see if what we've got, if somebody else has tried to do before and didn't work. And if it is something that the industry needs, how can we work with that organization uh, to bring it to every CPA in the United States? Well, we were at that conference. I wish we'd have hooked up with you there. That would have been kind of fun to, to see you at that place. I, again, there's nothing more, uh, you know, of the top three places you probably don't ever want to be at is a, a, a convention of accountants, uh, you know, the uh, Dentist Association of Root Canals, uh, you don't want to be in any one, or the proctologist office. You don't want to be in any of those conventions, and yet, here you are. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. Uh, one of the things that made me realize, yes, I'm at a conference with accountants is when the sessions would start at 7 o'clock in the morning. I was like, <laughs> wow, this is like military all over again. It's not like these people come and party all day and then start their first session at noon, so... Well, uh, you, do, you don't want those accountants out uh, with their uh, button-down shirts and the short sleeves. I mean, the, them and the engineers are having a great time. You don't even want to be part of that. It's scary. <laughs> so, Blake, as you're, you know, you've been through your first year, what do you see in your next year, your next five years? Where are you going? What are you doing? You know, what does this look like? Well, um, the one of the two things that we discovered in this first year um, that were really interesting um, is the fact that accountants, um, solo practitioners have no, um, succession plan. Um, so unlike attorneys or doctors that are required by their state, um, boards to have a succession plan, if something happens to them, um, we discovered that accountants don't have that. And we found that out after our first tax season, cause we had an accountant in Greenville that actually passed away. Um, and then, you know, basically was contacted by his widow to basically help his customer base find new accountants over our platform. Um, so one of our big passions is to be able to allow the 100,000, you know, solo practitioners that peace of mind um, that they can have a succession plan. And then we wind up uh, actually paying the person for their book of business should the unfortunate happen to them. It's crazy. Um, and then and then the other part is developing a platform that is secured that allows accountants to work with other accountants without the fear of losing their clients. Um, a lot of people when we were out at the AICPA told us that they were, you know, there to learn how to outsource or to work with other folks. Um, and what we're doing with the military for providing opportunities to military spouses and military veterans um, was something that a lot of people were taking um, a lot of notes on instead of having to offshore their stuff to places like India and Philippines. Not that those organizations aren't great and that they don't do a good job, but a lot of solo practitioners across the United States would like to be able to do things domestically. Isn't it funny how accountants, they just say, well, I'm going to do this forever. Uh, you're going to have to, you know, I hope to die at my desk, not me personally, but most accountants feel like that, which is the craziest thing. There's really no other industry like that. 
They just think they can go forever, so they don't think about the ultimate end. Is that what you find out? Yeah, I think you had stated it earlier. One of the things is you get them really connected to their clients. They feel like they're almost like clergy uh, working with them or their bartender or, you know, a, a component to that person's family and they know everything about them that as long as they're capable of providing that service like a doctor, um, they feel that it's, you know, their, their duty to do so. And, you know, they, they get really good at it. They develop those relationships. Um, so they literally think as long as I can, I will continue to, you know, be that accountant, help them with their fiscal matters until I physically can't anymore. Um, we've had a lot of accountants uh, that have joined our platform that have been retired that don't run a practice anymore, but have a whole lot of knowledge and that are very excited to be on the platform to do some taxes, work with some folks, but not have the burden of actually running a practice anymore. So one of the questions we always, you know, people that are entrepreneurs, they, you know, either going to start a thing and a business and they're going to do business where they're doing all the work and eventually they sometimes decide to build a business and build an organization, actually run a business versus doing the work. And obviously you just started off with, with, with what you're trying to do here uh, with tax Titans. But prior to this in your other businesses, when did you decide that, Hey, I need a team to help me do this thing and, and not be just myself. And when you did that in your prior business endeavors, did you bring some of those people with you to, you know, experiment after experiment after experiment, and then finally to tax Titans, or has it always been a new team every time you do something? Um, Sometimes, well, there are some people that come over from the other experiences that I've had. Um, Like for instance, um, you know, my co-founder in the tax Titan space um, had worked with me on another dot-com endeavor uh, in which we were doing online video training for sports. Um, so from that aspect, when I came up with the idea of tax Titans, instead of telling Kurt, the guy that I was doing taxes with, Hey, this is something that I'm going to go do. Thanks for the time here. Kind of brought him on board. Um, and as I've gone through other people who, for lack of a better term, get the vision of what you're doing is what I've looked for in trying to assemble my teams. Um, because whether it be the fencing schools, um, you know, gaming stores that I've had or now with uh, Tax Titans or another company, Morpheus, it's always been things that are kind of outside of the box. A lot of people joke around with me that I don't think, it, you know, inside the box, I'm always thinking outside of the box of how to get something done. Um, I make the joke that a box is kind of like a coffin. It's where dreams go to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if, you know, you can think outside of the box for a better way to do it, then you should probably do that. So as you've went through all of these, you know, endeavors, what is your superpower? Um, I don't quit. (laughs) Um, I I guess that would be my first uh, superpower. So if I was, you know, to have that name of, you know, being a Titan, it's like, okay, things are tough. Things are hard. Um, A lot of people joke at me now about, you know, the long hours, you know, going all and doing all the stuff for the tax industry. Um, I actually got my car wiped out last Tuesday on the way to Atlanta 
um, got totaled. Uh, somebody, you know, hydroplaned into my car. And the first instance was, okay, I got all these meetings with people like Gail Crosby down in Atlanta. I need to get another ride. And people are like, how can you like focus and do that when you should be like worrying about getting your car, getting your rental, taking care of the insurance. And I jokingly tell people, it's like, well, I got up this morning. I'm not in the desert. No one's shooting at me. So today's a good day and I need to accomplish something. Um, every day that I decide to take a day off is a day that there's a veteran or a military spouse out there that doesn't have an opportunity. And as long as I continue with this path with my team, we'll be creating these opportunities for these people who have been underemployed, underappreciated, and give them an opportunity to have a life outside of the military in the civilian world that is desperately in an industry that needs more talent. And there is not probably a better demographic of people who are used to working long hours under pressure and getting shit done than military spouses and veterans. It's all, it's all getting the mission. It's no quitting, getting the result that you want. Do you, do you feel that, and again, trying to, trying to tap into, and again, these are for the entrepreneurs listening out there. Like you, 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 you form your, um, how you roll, what you do, how you look at things, and then how you're going to react to those uh, changes that come at you that you have to, you know, pivot and figure out. How, how much of this do you think you learned? You know, some people don't have an entrepreneur or mentor to look up to. And I think, you, you know, that was your dad. And a lot of people don't have that. So they had to learn it as they went. But you then also had the military, which is a whole different thing because you're just never quit type of thing. Everybody's depending on you, right? You have your role. How, how, what's your ratio of... Do you think you you tap into this where you had to, again, you wreck your car, you're like, get up, well, you think that's your dad experience with you or you think that's your military experience peeking out and saying, this is what you need to do to complete your mission? Which one is, probably is the heavier laden one for you? Uh, probably the military, but and anything that I think of military, it's also my father because, mm-hmm. you know, his role in the military as a special forces uh, guy. I mean, even though being raised by him, his whole get it done attitude was one that was also forged with him in his military service. So that's kind of, they're, they're, you know, they work in tandem with one another mm-hmm. where his military experience, which allowed him to be a get it done, no matter what the obstacles were is basically now carried over to my own experience in the military, which is different because being a military officer, bring uh, military enlisted, um, are two different experiences for people. Um, and I like to think that I'm blessed because I got to see the extent of both of those roles. So, you know, getting to be a worker bee and in management, I've, I've had the, the blessing of both. That's the best. So one more question for you. And, you know, what is your end game? The end game for me um, would be, you know, Sivin, uh, a private equity firm out of England that bought Drake and Tax Act, comes up and goes, here's uh, $750 million, here's a billion dollars, and um, you can go back to teaching fencing and enjoy retirement. Um, it would be the government coming up with their $80 billion that they just gave to the IRS, and they go, hey, we want to buy your recruiting plan from you, and we're going to take the 200,000 active duty service members who are leaving the military every year or the 1.8 million underemployed military veteran or spouses and give them a job to work within the IRS. Um, as long as the mission is getting done um, and the problem is being solved, I, I'm very happy to go um, 
go back to just teaching fencing full time. You know what's funny about that? Because just on a side note, I'm grinning here because the true entrepreneur that has it kind of figured out, it's really hard to get there, but it's never about the money. It's about the legacy. It's about your commitment. It's about something bigger than you. And all those options means that the company will continue. You'll still service, not you know, the clients, that's important, but your team that you've assembled that are doing the work, they'll always have a place to come in and be gainfully employed. That's what it's all about. And that is, that is how it's supposed to be. So congrats on closing that circle on that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Blake, it's been a pleasure having you on. I can tell you. Oh, wait, Julie has another one. No, well, I was going to say, you're never going to actually, you, you say you enjoy retirement, but you said, well, I'm going to go back to coaching and, you know, maybe some other things. Mm-hmm. So I I can't wait to, you know, hear from you in, in a couple of years and see exactly where you are and what you're doing, because I, I think you're going to continue to stay busy and not actually be retired. Well, retirement for everybody means different things. It just means that I'm not trans, you know, going all across the United States to, you know, uh, all of the different national organizations. And I'm actually able to stay in one place and, and help people, you know, realize their own importance through sports like I've been doing uh, for 30 years with all of my fencing students. I mean, if you don't want to go around talking to accountants all day long, I mean, that's your choice. I guess you can do that or not do that. I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get it. Well, I tell you, it's been a pleasure having you on, on, on the podcast here with us, Blake, and we wish you continued success. And again, you're on your entrepreneurial journey, you're literally, you've did a do-over. So you're basically starting it over. You're only a year into it. So I can't wait to talk to you in a, in a couple of years and see where this thing takes off to. So we wish you the best. All right. I will. I absolutely would love to be on again and tell you where we are two years from now. Awesome. Well, thanks again, everybody, for another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs. I'm Glenn Harper. I'm Julie Smith. Take care. At Harper and Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.